Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. So I like to start each episode by asking you guys what you've been listening to lately, but in lieu of my pick, I want to ask our listeners to please leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. I noticed the other day that we got a bad rating, screwed up our average, probably from some mad Billy Eilish fan, even though Darren said he likes Billy Eilish more than Neutral Milk Hotel, which I think is a lot. Yeah, but you just can't please these people. So please, if you like this podcast at all, leave us a five-star rating. Why not? Um, Dan, I think you said you went on a field trip this past week. Yeah, I went. I saw Boris live uh, in Tampa at a place called the Orpheum. Um, I've seen them a, a handful of times before. They're always like they're just one of the like best live bands. Um, uh. It was pretty cool. They played, uh, they like opened with like some cover of, you know, I've never heard of. And then um, they played like some songs from their new record that comes out uh, next month. Um, and they were cool. Uh, they played a lot, a lot of rockers. You know, Boris has like some, some rocking songs, some drone, you know, whatever, you know, they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm more of the drone fan. But then they, uh, they played all of Feedbacker, which is uh, like their best album and, uh, you know, just solidly drone. So uh, that was like really awesome to see live. Um, it's a great show. Didn't we? Uh, we saw them together years ago, and yeah. there was some other band in town at the same time, and so it was like pretty empty. Was this a packed show? Uh, no, not really. It, uh, no, not not really at all. Uh, the the venue, it's like a medium sized venue, you know, probably holds a few hundred people, but there was probably there there was probably maybe a hundred people. It's so much that there was like uh, there was like some really uh. Uh, and neckbeardy kind of people uh at, at this show and uh like one guy kept like he was determined to fucking um crowd surf but there like wasn't enough people or like you know densely packed enough to do so and so he kept like he kept trying to do it and like this one uh guy who was like you know bigger he saw him so he finally he just picked him up and sort of like walked him around the room which, which i felt was nice <laughs> that way you know? yeah yeah, yeah it, it was nice of... you know so you know got got what he was trying to do i guess Interesting. Interesting uh, fans of Boris, which I guess you are among. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah Darren, exactly. what have you been listening to lately? Uh, aside from what we're talking about today, you know, I, I came back to Vampire Weekend's Father of the Bride, and I'm mentioning okay. it again because we really should do an episode on Vampire Weekend at some point. I'm, I'm down because I tried to listen to it and just like couldn't get through it, and I... Um, I would kind of like to be able to force myself to do it, but I don't know if Dan's going to go for it. We'll have to talk about that off air. Um, <laughs> kind of a similar situation, honestly, uh, with the album we're going to talk about today, which I guess we can jump into now. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we received a very kind email from a fellow Floridian, actually, named Paul, who suggested that we discuss one of his favorite albums, Burials Untrue, from 2007. And he actually made really a really good case for why it might complement some of our recent conversations about the musical landscape of the last decade. On one hand, we decided to take Paul's suggestion because we want to encourage you all to write to us with suggestions of your own. Honestly, it's kind of a bitch coming up with a new topic every two weeks, so we would really appreciate it. But at the same time, we were really excited to talk about this record in particular because it's one of those mega classics that all three of us have somehow failed to get into. And it turns out we ought to be pretty embarrassed about that because, as Paul mentioned, pretty much every 10-year retrospective that came out back in 2017 declared Untrue one of the most important and influential albums in recent memory so i think the first step to fixing this blunder is fessing up what is your previous familiarity with burial and untrue specifically and how did you manage to kind of miss it back in 2007 
Yeah, with me, um, I, I'm a big fan of electronic music, so I've like run through, you know, all the big names, and and I've definitely listened to this album before, but it's always like an album that I I listen to a, a time or two, and then I just kind of forget about it or, or move on. I, I've never like really like sat down and uh, digested it as as much as I I have in these past two weeks for for this episode. Uh-huh. Um, so. I don't know. I don't remember when the first time I listened to it was, but whenever I was into uh, electronic music, that's that's when I first started listening to it. Yeah, I mean, I've always sort of dabbled in electronic music. I'm obviously not as uh, into it as either of you two, but I have still heard of um, Burial, but have not listened to this album until recently. Yeah, I mean, for me, I definitely listened to it when it first came out, and it was getting so much hype, um, and it was. It just, for some reason, I really liked that, you know, second song, the first real song, Archangel. Um, thought it was very catchy, but the album just was not what I was really looking for for some reason. It just didn't really click with me. And then over the years, I've seen it, um, you know, it, it, well, t- I want to talk about this later, but it became one of those like uh, Mucor type albums, for lack of a better term, you know, that just gets like posted <laughs> online and just has this obsessive following, getting memed constantly. And so it just felt like, you know, something I've got to get around to eventually, but then it sort of felt like I had missed my chance. So I was actually really glad that um, that we decided to do this. Now, on that note, I wanted to kind of ask, like, what, what was the state of music as you remember it back in 2007 when this came out? I'm trying to get at, like, was there anything like this going on at the time? And I know this is kind of a vague, weird question, but um, a while ago, we did an episode counting down our favorite albums of 2009. And we talked a lot about how 2009 was kind of the end of one era and sort of the start of the next era. Um, so that era, you know, how would you describe that era of music? And do you see Burial as like a standout or kind of fitting in to 2007? Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I guess Burial sort of is a little bit of a standout. Like, I think it's I think it's somewhat different I'm, I'm trying to off the top of my head think of like uh, what other records came out in 2000 you know when like somebody asks you it's yeah it, well i can count down a couple i got the yeah, yeah, radio yeah. music rating that. uh right here so radioheads and rainbows is the number one mm-hmm. album of that year lcd sound system sound of silver animal collective strawberry jam we got arcade fires neon bible panda bears person pitch uh there's that Boney Vare album for emma forever go that everybody seems to like but i hate by the way i was listening to his new album recently and I can't believe how much it sucks. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. I, yeah, it does. I, I, I don't get it. Um, of Montreal, Hissing Fauna, Kanye West graduation. I think what I'm trying to get at is this was like the biggest, brightest, funnest indie explosion. Doesn't it kind of feel that way? Yeah, it's like when when anything in that list is like sort of electronic uh, themed, you know, Animal Collective, Panda Bear a little bit, you know, of Montreal to an extent. It's not like this sort of electronic music like one like you said it's bright even like hissing fauna which is like a a dark record it's like a dark record through the like this cheery happy lens um whereas like that is not what uh burial is at all yeah but i mean i think uh burial might have a little more in line with like radioheads and rainbows um i could see that you know when yeah yeah, i mean i i don't think that it's a stretch to say that this kind of fits in with with that record at least you know Mm, you know, because honestly, I always think of In Rainbows as being like the weirdly happiest Radiohead album, you know, which is like really, really strange with, like, for House them. like House of Cards kind of. on it? Yeah. <laughs> that song is like 
nice. The song is like really pleasant. You could play that like in a in a spa or something. Um, <laughs> it's it's like such a it's such a warm, colorful, and I'm not just saying that because of the album cover, but like it's like a vibrant album from a pretty you know dour band. Um, and I feel I've always felt like that kind of sums up the era. Like even Radiohead was in a good mood in 2007. You know, um, other stuff as I'm continuing to scroll through this list. Um, you remember. MIA's Kala, you know, the song like Paper Planes yeah, blew yeah. up. And do you guys remember Justice, their cross yeah. album? Yeah, yeah. I liked that record. Their second record was fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, basically a Daft Punk ripoff. But yeah. just think about the contrast between Justice and like Paper Planes and, you know, Burial, where it's almost like the way that electronic music is being used in this period is almost like a novelty you know it's for like fun indie is kind of making its way into clubs and stuff people are like dancing to it you know which you couldn't really do that much before it just feels like burial is so dark and gloomy in a period that was the total opposite of that it sounds like you guys don't totally agree though i mean i i I agree partially with you but i i don't I don't really agree with your assessment of in rainbows, but we could have that argument a different day. But, um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, I, I do. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's definitely like brighter, happier like overall that year. Um, and this is definitely not any of that, but something about it, it's sound for me still kind of like feels like that period in some way, maybe not 2007, but kind of around it. You know what I mean? Like pre 2010. Hmm. Can you put your finger on that at all? I can't. I can't. I just. Well, I mean, because like, I guess we talk about this a lot. Like, you know, does an album feel dated or sound? Dated? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying this sounds dated in a negative way, but I, I don't think that this sounds like 2019. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's certain records that you can tell when they're made, and it's not uh, often. It is uh, a bad thing, but it's not always. Yeah, I get what you mean there. I, I, I agree with you, Gabe. I, I don't think that this record. Uh, fits in like like i said you know the the only sort of like dark things in that list are through a a cheery lens and and whatnot so i i I agree with you yeah to me it just feels like so different from anything else in that period um it doesn't sound like 2007 at all to me in fact i was you know when we got this email i think i was just like trying to i was trying to think of like different topics we could do like could we compare and contrast it with something and i was thinking of like you know, what other albums came out that year? What was it, like 2011, 2012? And like, I was just gobsmacked to realize it came out in 2007, you know? Um, But again, it was kind of like the first time I had ever heard anything like this. I do want to acknowledge his first self-titled album so nobody like ats us about this. It came out in 2006, the year before. um, And it's it's got a very similar vibe, um, but Untrue, I think, was really the breakthrough. This was when like, you know, pitchfork like barely acknowledged the first one and then they declared untrue basically a masterpiece and um everybody had to listen to it and it was described untrue at the time as basically like a revolutionary new sound so let's try to describe the sound of untrue how would you guys describe it yeah i mean i think the thing that like is immediately apparent about it is like these um these vocals that are all over it uh which you know vocals often not a uh a big thing in in this sort of electronic music but they're always they uh they're either like pitch shifted up or down you know slowed and sped up uh often like through some sort of like a band pass filter you know like a low pass filter or something Uh where giving them like a you know sort of um 
like a eerie distant uh kind of feel over these uh these like break beats um that are they they got a, they and we'll talk about why a little bit you know coming up but like they've got the swing to them and not like the uh 1930s uh slang swing <laughs> like uh like uh the, the musical term swing you know where everything's not uh exactly on time which again is also sort of an odd thing in electronic music you know drum machines t- you know tend to uh, sort of dehumanize the drums and everything whereas here like we're we're getting electronic sounds with sort of a human uh feel to them yeah i mean i think of like you know like an atmosphere type of feel right um when I think about electronic music, you know, obviously you have like your real danceable electronic music. This is not really that, you know, um, there's uh, a lot as, as much as like there, are, there are like those like break beats, like Dan mentioned and like the percussion and stuff. There's also just a lot less. There's like none of that at, at times, you know what I mean? And you're just sort of like feeling like you're drifting. drifting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that honestly, this was my, I have distinct memory of feeling this way back when I first put this on in 2007, which is that, you know, which is what I was trying to get at is that it just didn't really bang like I (laughs) wanted it to, you know? And in 2007, just the state of indie and electronica, you know, what I was looking for was something that like banged, like that Justice song, you know, that was such a big hit. Um, you know, something like Paper Planes or whatever. I mean, that was like when all the indie kids were getting into electronic music and sort of, you know, MG, MGMT's coming out and all this stuff. And, you know, it's fun and, and upbeat. And this was just, you know, it was so catchy, especially that Archangel song. But it just is like, you know, moody and ambient and drifting. And, you know, I guess to describe more of the sound. Yeah, the, the I think what jumps out at me, a lot of people mention the vocals and we'll definitely want to talk more about that. But the beats, like you were saying, Dan, are so just so strange they're like kind of clattering high noises you know um and they're like you know it just feels like they consist of sounds like you know keys jangling or you know stuff like that like sometimes like uh hitting a pringles can or you know lightly or something like that um and then another thing that's so strange to me is like the there's like a constant sound of like vinyl crackle or some kind of like lo-fi thing separating you from the music. Sometimes it sounds like rain. Sometimes it sounds like vinyl record. Um, and the, the like synth tones are so washed in reverb and so like thick and, you know, luxurious, but kind of foggy sounding. Um, sometimes I think the bass sounds like a, like a subway train passing by you know it's just like and to me that is just the strangest sound i mean what do you guys you know do you guys like these beats were they did they take some getting used to um yeah i don't want to get too deep into it yet i guess but like i i like the beats a lot um i think my my complaint is that they don't uh change much throughout the record uh like we we kind of are we're, I feel like we're working with one palette here. Uh, very like hmm. obviously, like uh, often the drums like sort of sound exactly the same. Not not the same beat, but the same like kit uh, from song to song, and it uh-huh. it, it, it wears a little uh, it wears a little thin sometimes on me. Yeah, what do you think, Darren? I mean, I kind of found that a bit unifying, but we can sort of talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think. Actually, what was your original question? Dan kind of threw me off. The beats. What do you 
you know, do you like these beats? I think they're, I mean, they're odd because like I'm saying, they don't really like bang. They're like just, it's like strange clattering over the top of like just subterranean bass tones and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And you mentioned like, did it take some getting used to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely did. You know, um, cause they would just kind of come in, come and go. Um, you know, maybe the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, all right, here we go. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to bang here. Here it comes. Um, and then it yeah. sort of just drifts away, you know, and then it comes back later on. And, uh, I never really got used to it. It, it, it was kind of hard to like, predict when it was about to like kind of pick up you know what i mean um but i didn't really feel like it was ever you know boring or anything i i, I kind of grew to to like it like I, I felt like it sort of helped define the sound in a lot of ways you know yeah to me i mean this is one of the most fascinating parts of the album and dan you sort of alluded to this but we might as well get into it um so he basically makes all of his beats or all of his tracks really um using this pretty primitive program called SoundForge, um where it's just you know i could totally relate to this because i was doing this like long after you know proper daws came out and everything where it's just like you're basically just sliding around little sound wave files and not lining them up properly with a sequencer and everything so he's kind of like doing it by hand and it creates beats that are kind of like slipping in and out of time a little bit. They're not like sequenced just right. They're not lined up just right quantized or anything. He also talks about like wanting his beats to sort of look a certain way in like a visual sense on this, like just map of sound wave files, you know? Um, and it creates a really strange, you know, Un- it's weird because Dan, I think I kind of agree with you that the the beats are there's something similar about them, and yet because they're never quite locked in, if the the tracks feel really alive, like the beat is just sort of changing and and evolving the whole time. No, I I, I agree, um, and I I mean I think one of the best things about this record is the the swing and that you know the the drums aren't quantized or or lined up perfect and everything like that 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 yeah. is definitely like one of the best things about this this record i i think it's just it's more of like the 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 palette of of drum sounds used uh just sort of we're uh, always the same drum sounds is, is what i was getting at yeah and so you know with these very skeletal i think beats um and these kind of like droning synths um you know there are a couple of other things i think we got to spend more time on the vocals in particular you know what do you guys make of the kind of um you know pitch shifted corrected you know changed vocals you often they they sound like sort of disembodied voices there's often as with almost everything on this record tons of reverb and echo and it just sounds like these voices are like distant memories or ghosts or something like that what did you guys make of that aspect of the album well i like it like like archangel is is a great song i love the vocals on that that in and of itself great Again, just every sort of song, or almost every song, you know, we're getting. It, it, it's almost like there, there's a checklist. You know, the the the, the drums are going to be like this, and then we'll have like a uh, weird disembodied vocal that's either fast or slow. Like I just felt like it. It would have hit a little better if it wasn't as constant as it is. Hmm. What do you think, Darren? Um. Again, I kind of had a hard time with it at first. Largely because I just didn't, I had no context, right? I just kind of came to this record, put it on, 
didn't really know what I was hearing, right? Um, you know, come to find out, you know, kind of where these samples are being pulled from. Uh-huh. I really, it really changed my listening of the record, right? Um, caused me to pay it- attention a little bit more, kind of listen to how he was manipulating all of these different vocals. And, um, that became something that I was really kind of intrigued by just the way he was using it. You know, the way you sort of mentioned like ghosts or voices, like to me, they sound like memories or just like thoughts inside of uh-huh. somebody's head. You know how you kind of like, yeah, you, yeah. you know, things kind of flash into your head, a memory from the past and it's only like a fragment of it or something like that was mm-hmm. kind of what those sort of became because I knew a little bit more about where they originated from. You know what I mean? Yeah, so we got to dive into that and spend a while on it. Um, you know, the the sample sources are so bizarre. Um, I don't know if it would occur to you. In fact, I, I really don't think it would unless you sort of started to read into it. But they basically come from, like, the shittiest music ever. And <laughs> I want to emphasize that this is pre-poptimism. So this is especially odd to choose to sample stuff like... Beyonce, you know, pre-woke Beyonce, I should clarify. <laughs> Ray J, uh, Christina Aguilera, you know, Usher. like Ashanti. <laughs> yeah, Usher. <laughs> you know, just like the most like garbage radio R&B, but it'll just be, you know, short little snippets of just like not the main melody even, but just some little melody and like looped and, and chopped up in different ways. I mean, what do you make of like, what is he trying to do sampling from such sources? Yeah, it is like a really odd, um, you know, choice, you know, because like another person who like was famous for doing vocals like this, like the RZA, you know, he he did it with R&B, but it was like, you know, kind of better R&B, you know, like 70s, you know, classic, class, yeah, cla- yeah, yeah, classic kind of stuff. Like, th- like you said, this is like sort of the actual dark ages of, of R&B, you know, early, <laughs> yeah. early 2000s. It's like the, the shittiest, like you know radio stations this is what they're playing so it is like a really odd choice and i and i do appreciate that like you know because if 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 he was sampling you know just classic stuff you'd be like oh you know he's a fan of the rizza or something you know it like would be a little like not not as innovative or if he was you know sampling indie hits or you know or whatever it's just like using something that like i, I feel like the the, per, the person listening to this record more uh, more likely than not you're probably not going to also have listened to these like shitty r&b songs so you're probably not going to recognize them you know so they feel sort of it makes them feel like more um alien or or like ghostly uh in that you don't like know them you know yeah but maybe they sound like occasionally like vaguely familiar in some weird yeah, way yeah you know, i mean you can sort of like the, hits, the, you know? the beyonce one like i sort of like i thought like is that beyonce that, that, i remember that ray j song um yeah see yeah, I, I didn't i didn't remember any of the like actual songs i remember the yeah. ray j song i remember um you know there's like an Aaliyah song i remember christina aguilera's uh you are beautiful you know whatever uh <laughs> oh i do know that i remember song, some yeah. of this shit but you wouldn't like be able to place it listening but maybe it just sounds vaguely familiar and that's maybe there's you know i'm trying to get it like is there some thematic that- reason darren that you see like with this kind of like thing you kind of remember but can't place you know yeah i mean i think I think so, because take, for example, the title track, which samples the Beyonce song, right? I mean, like you mentioned, I don't think anybody is going to recognize this as being a Beyonce song 
when he pitches it so low that it sounds like a man just it really does you know it sounds mean? nothing like right. Beyonce but then you listen to the lyrics and you think about what the word untrue means and and he samples this line about like because you lied because you lied like over and mm. over again and suddenly it just takes on a whole new like meaning I feel like and I think it's like really really interesting that he's he's pulling this out of a Beyonce song and just transforming it you know what I mean I know I think there's something so so fascinating about that because it's like a commentary on the song itself or like on the this form of music which (laughs) I don't even know how to get into it but it's like there's something like there's something strange about sort of like listening to music like that ironically and I think a lot of this music um it kind of evokes the feeling of like walking home from a club or something like that. Um, you know, sad that you, you know, struck out or weren't <laughs> brave enough to get on the dance floor yeah. or, you know, just didn't fit in or whatever. And, right. you know, say you're walking home with your hoodie on, it's like raining a little and whatever, you're waiting for the bus. Uh, you're really lonely. And, you know, it just is like these shitty songs that would have been playing at the club are like echoing in your head. Right. And it somehow adds to like the tragedy of it all. I, I mean, do you get well, that all? It's like, I'm trying it's to like, say, well, it's like no one else in the club is listening to the song except for you. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like you happen to be the one that picks up on like the meaning, or or you you take it beyond what whatever like Beyonce is trying to Beyonce's audience is is getting. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, or you connect it to your own life. You know, like because right. Beyonce, you know, is singing about like whatever you know who gives a shit. But maybe when she just said that line, like because you lied. It just kind of like made you think about your own something you're going through. Right. And so that line just like keeps repeating in your head or something. You know, there's there's something very introspective and like very fascinating about the way that samples are used here. Are you on board with any of this, Dan? No. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And I, I like like this is a great little record to like uh intellectualize and talk about like the process yes. of i'm like, gonna I, do a lot of that tonight. yeah and and <laughs> honestly that's my favorite part about this record like i i wish i yeah. enjoyed listening to the record as much as i enjoy uh thinking about yeah. and talking about the record that's yeah that's interesting we should return to that because yeah i think that i i became very fascinated with thinking about this record and i want to do a lot of that it's probably the kind of thing where i'm like you start to ruin the record if you think about it too much but you know i just I was kind of in awe, like in even a non-intellectual way at, you know, the way a song that, you know, it's just repeating the word like closer. I think that's a shell of light, Um, you know, just closer. It's like, it's just devastating somehow. Just this word, the word closer repeated over and over again. Um, I found it very moving. Did you have a similar experience, Darren? Yeah. And again, it kind of came in a bit later on um, because I I do feel like, and I feel like it's important that we sort of discuss this, like the album for as sparse as it seems in places, like it's a dense record. You know what I mean? Like I feel like you can't just, you're just not going to get it. And I'm sure plenty of people who call this like their favorite record and say things like, you know, this got me through so much and stuff like they would agree. Like you're just not going to get it like on the first couple of listens. Like, yeah, this is one of those records that requires, you know, it's like, you know, a, a novel where additional readings are, are kind of necessary <laughs> and like reading essays or something just to kind of fully understand, to try to grasp 
you know, the record itself, like just simply listening to it's, it's not good enough. So, so but early but on, with, I mean, I admit I, I wasn't, I wasn't really into it, but it, it just kind of, cha- it shifted as the more I dug in, you know, uh, we, we can come back to this uh, maybe, you know, after we've given our opinions a little more, but, but like, does that is a record that you have to like know more about than, than just listen to it. Is that a good record? You know, like, question. see, I, I kind of feel like, you know, for me, there was like this first level experience, which was great, but then it was that much deeper when I started to sort of read into it because, you know, this first level, like I said, there's just this idea of repeating the word, this like disembodied, like haunting voice is just saying the word closer over and over again. And so I'm thinking about like, the music makes me feel profoundly lonely somehow. It's like very isolating music. And I think without reading anything, I mean, maybe the cover sort of adds to this, but you feel like just you're, you know, in a hoodie in the rain by yourself completely on like a desolate, empty street or whatever uh, at night. And, you know, this idea of like closer, like I I just think of like wanting to be closer to somebody, to anybody or something. And so that like just works. But then when I read that it comes from, you know, some shitty, stupid song, (laughs) it just makes it like that much more interesting, but that much sadder too, because it's like, it's it's hollow you know it's like uh it's it's a meaningless shitty song that is kind of resonating with me i i, I guess i guess i'm having trouble uh articulating it but but it's like i really impo- think it works on these right two because levels. like he could have just somehow sang or said the word closer and just yeah. manipulated it and use it and you know what i mean like how yeah like it didn't have to come from you, something yeah right but knowing that it did adds something to the song i i agree with you yeah, I think it does, but I, I really feel like it, it can work on both levels. But it like it, it approaches like this sort of classic masterpiece level when you start to start to read into it, and that's just that's just sort of the case. I mean, like, would um, DJ Shadows introducing be a great record if you didn't know it? It, it consisted entirely of samples. Yeah, no, I mean that's a good question. I'm I'm not saying I. Uh, I, I don't I don't dislike this record or anything. I'm just I just wonder. I was thinking about that a lot this week. Like like you just said, you know, it, it doesn't just apply to this record. You know, DJ Shadow. That's a good example. Avalanches, stuff like that. And, I uh-huh. mean, even even other forms of art. You know, like uh, you can't just read uh, you know Paradise Lost without like knowing uh, right, all you right. know what it, all the sh- shit about. It, you know, like. Th- but does that like make it? Uh, I don't know. It's just like it, it's it's a weird thing to like need, especially especially with like music to like need a, a addendum to like fully um, get it or understand it or enjoy it. Yeah, I, I like I've been like wrestling with um, if that it can be like a good you know record in and of itself. Yeah, it's an eternal problem, I think, but. That, that's something one of the most interesting things that i think this album poses um another thing you guys kind of alluded to this uh a couple minutes ago but it is very dense it's a very dense record and there's a lot of i guess sampling of strings or maybe like recreations of string type sounds um there's something very cinematic about the the sound of this album and it did make me think of rizza who you mentioned earlier dan um i thought a lot about Raekwon's only built for Cuban links in particular, because what that record does is it takes like your normal kind of street, like gang shit, you know, and it makes it feel really cinematic and just larger than life. Like all of a sudden, you know, this, you know, you just think about like a young Raekwon, like selling drugs or something like that. And 
that little story is elevated to like the level of the Godfather or something. And it's like these very real drama in just like normal people's lives or something. And to me, I felt like this record was kind of working on the same level, especially with those strings and that just like dense, you know, grandiosity of the music. It's like it makes, you know, the loneliness you feel when you're walking home alone um, feel like very grand, like a grand tragedy or something like that. Um, Did you guys get any of that from from that kind of aspect of the music? Yeah. And I mean, I. I, I get that and I and I agree like it does it does do a good job of like of like this world building thing and we've talked about that in the past and I do enjoy that about records I, I feel like maybe like maybe one one reason I didn't like absolutely like fall in love with this record and maybe why I've like always struggled is like you know maybe these like experiences I haven't had you know I, I didn't really like go to the club when I was younger and until you know I was a bit older and stuff and like I don't know. Maybe I, I've 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 never walked home uh, alone in the rain. You know, like maybe maybe that's why I don't uh, uh-huh. like connect with it uh, super super well. But then again, I love yeah, only I both the Cuban links, and I've never sold drugs either. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't think that uh, this album kind of isolates you into that sort of emotion. I think that's just one. It's a, it's a good image for sure. But you know, like to me. You know, and I, I go back to more of the samples, like those YouTube samples and stuff like that. Like, I just get this, like, real, like, human, you know, experience out of this record where, like, nothing, like, everything in the record, from the strings that you mentioned, Gabe, to, like, a YouTube, random YouTube click, like, feels so intentional that it's it's connecting in a way that, you know, a lot of records just just don't do that you know what i mean like it's exploring emotions and thoughts that like people have in their heads maybe but how in the world do you articulate that in the form of music and yeah this is an interesting take on that you know yeah i just i think there's just something like so evocative about it like it, it just like evokes such a clear image to me of of like you know this kind of feeling of loneliness or something and these specific experiences uh that i'm alluding to um but there is something that's kind of like, well, I guess we should dive into you. You were sort of mentioning it, but like, so YouTube clips, uh, you know, being sampled, right? So there's, there's this, basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's like this kind of strange stitched together fabric that makes this feel like a very consistent, like very deliberate, deliberate and specific world or like a deliberate and specific image um, that I keep talking about where it's weirdly made up of like very cinematic cavernous like string synth pads these skeletal skittering beats um strange little clips of dialogue from like films and youtube videos and things that are like you can barely understand them there's a song um god which one is it it's um etched headplate that it samples like a it's a popular r&b like pop song but it's some random girl yeah just sang it into her webcam I, I wanted to talk about that like that is like has to be like such a deliberate pick like why why would you ever pick like this random girl singing it into her webcam over the original song especially because like the the vocals are pitched um so it's not even like oh well you know her voice worked better you know it, it's like right right like, why would you well, do I mean, that I- I, f- I feel like the image being evoked here, especially when we're talking about like the subject of loneliness. I mean, where do people go when they're like yeah. by themselves yeah. on a the computer and the internet? They go 
deep diving into YouTube and all this sort of stuff, seeing just millions of different clips, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like this is exactly what he's trying to kind of articulate by, by choosing to use a random clip over like the original song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it kind of, it, 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 it's so like uh, manipulated the sound of that vocal sample, but you can hear like the digital artifacts yeah. and like the low quality of this YouTube video, just saying into a, you know, webcam or whatever. Um, and it really adds to, I think that kind of lonely like image that, that this album just puts in my mind, which is like, somebody kind of surfing like web surfing you know i was thinking about like the difference between this album and something like introducing or the really sample heavy music of the 90s and that was all about like the fun of crate digging or something there's nothing like fun or social or exciting about youtube digging you know right, you're like alone right. you know i just imagine like the only light is the light from your computer exactly. screen and you're yeah. like just digging through like shitty clips you know like not reacting you know, it, you're just just consuming it you know what i mean just yeah, yeah. it's not like when the avalanches find some like really cool like brazilian funk record that would make a great you know like bridge on the song they're working on it's like I don't know. It just feels like a much lonelier no, yeah, that, enterprise. Yeah, and- that 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 is a good point. I didn't, I didn't think about that. Like, yeah, crate digging is sort of a uh, a social like thing. Like, e- yeah. even if you you're doing it by yourself, usually you know you find that that great Brazilian funk thing. You share it with your friends or you know whatever. Like, but yeah, you the the you know webcam singing YouTube video uh, normally is a completely uh, solitary um, experience. Yeah, I, I think that that's a that's a good thing. I, I didn't I didn't even think of. Yeah, another cool thing um, that I want to talk about is the the sampling. There's like video game sampling. Um, specifically, there's a lot of sampling of Metal Gear Solid 2 for some reason, which <laughs> must be a, a, a game he really likes, which I actually really like as well. Um, you know, again, in this like, <laughs> there's I'm just amazed that these strange, disparate things end up feeling like stitched together into this very clear world, this very clear like, idea that he's trying to capture here how do you guys see these metal gear solid samples fitting into that yeah i mean i i love metal gear solid as well um though i didn't really recognize any samples certainly you know maybe if there was like that sound like whenever you get yeah yeah, yeah. they're not that that over the top yeah (laughs) but um you know it's like a gun you know a shell from your gun like hitting the ground strings uh, from the cinematic from the intro yeah um You know, I think that what that is evoking in my mind, again, is like Metal Gear Solid, that series, is a very singular experience. This is not your Call of Duty, your social, you know, online type of game. Like, this is a game that you're playing, again, by yourself. (laughs) The light probably only coming from your television now as you're (laughs) playing this and having this experience by yourself. So it fits right in with with all of us. It does. That that's a good point. Because also, not only is it a game like you play by yourself, but it's a game that like you can't just play for five ten minutes. You know, like you're if you're playing Metal Gear, like you you got hour long cutscene. You know, you're you you're in it for for hours and well, stuff. And it it explores some pretty deep, you know, uh, yeah, you know, subjects yeah. regarding like human nature and all that sort of stuff. So again, it, it fits in. It's something like very. You know, I, I, I want to like eventually turn to sort of this cultural context, but there's something very modern about this because, you know, if we if you think about it, it was not that long ago that video games became immersive in this way. You know, before oh yeah yeah the early 2000s, there was like really no such thing, and right. then games 
like you know metal gear solid started to come out and they're such they're such like deep and moving experiences really that like get into really you know huge issues and i just think about like the way i felt playing metal gear solid 2 which is like i was you know a completely like lonely kid basically i mean i wasn't like you know depressed or anything i just didn't have a fucking car so i couldn't go anywhere and hang out with anybody. <laughs> but you know you're pretty lonely you stay up all night you're playing this game and you're having like very intense experiences yes. via this game right you know it's like it's really profound and can we talk about the ending Should, can we spoil metal gear solid yeah i think it's it's been uh what <laughs> almost 20 years so go ahead well you know like when when the colonel starts like bugging out and like everything that you thought you understood is like right. you know going crazy and you find out that the patriots and all this shit's like going on and everything's wrong it, it, it you know it's like commentary on what you think is going on in the world that but you don't know right like all the stuff ha- hiding in the shadows that's like controlling yeah. the entire world kind of all being put on display in this video game you know what i mean kind of exactly yeah. what you're probably thinking right right and there's something kind of sad about the experience of like you know ha- like feeling those things via a video game alone in your room you know i just feel yeah. like this record yeah. is almost i mean that's how i see it fitting into the youtube clips and like the club sounds and stuff and again everything just soaked in reverb and kind of distant and ghostly and you know it 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 just it all hangs together you know dan you kind of said that at least for the drums you said that there was something a little repetitive about this but do you feel at all like just these these elements are kind of like hanging together in a really unique and cohesive way oh yeah i mean it's it's super cohesive I mean, it builds this world and everything, which I I like. I like it. It just, it gets a little repetitive for me. And one of the things I love about like electronic music and, you know, I've said it many times on here, Ah Tecker is my favorite electronic group, one of my favorite groups in general. And like the thing I like about electronic music is like, I like hearing sounds. I like, I like just exploring like all these different, you know, noises you've, you've never heard and stuff. And like here, okay. we're, it, it, it's got it's almost it's almost too human uh if if that makes like any sense you know uh like the drums seem like hmm. it, it seems like you know a drum set like if if you play just a regular drum set you know it sounds the same every every time you play it because it's the same drums whereas you know like this aphex twin song has a completely different drum set than than this one or or you know whoever uh and so like it got it just gets a little uh a, a little little samey and then the same thing with the vocals like i kind of felt like you know the trick of like pitch shifting them whether it be up or down you know it just starts to wear thin after you know you hear it track after track after track and again electronic music i kind of prefer when there's not vocals so that was a little you know it took a little getting used to for me hmm. uh, but i don't want people to get you know i don't want any hate mail like i'm not saying i i <laughs> don't like this record or that i hate it or anything I guess I'm just saying I don't think it's as good as everybody else thinks. Wow. Well, I, I get that. I totally get that. And it's actually interesting to think about because we talked about like Autechre quite a bit on that Warp Records episode we did a little while ago. Um, it's interesting to think of how different this is from Autechre. And I agree that Autechre is more about like creating sounds you've never heard. I will say that they're they're reused here but just these the those components are things i've never heard here like the way that the drums are created and are like slipping in and out of yeah, time yeah that, that's a fair point um 
the like the the whoosh of like i i think you know specifically of a track like um ghost hardware like that like whooshing sound um it, it's just like feels like the speakers are completely exploded or something um the way that the like vinyl crackle and stuff is layered so perfectly into all of this uh the digital artifacts that remain on the samples and stuff um and anyway so to contrast it with autegger i think it's amazing the humanness of it like you were saying dan but the like emotion that he's able to pull out of such sounds i i feel you know it's a different experience but i feel no emotion really listening to autecker you know what i mean darren oh yeah 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 yeah. i mean look i'm not a huge autecker fan like you guys either but i mean i was like listening totally just listening to like the instruments and like what the music was doing you know what i mean like not thinking about what or why you know any of this is happening um with with burial burial now like i'm like every track even though you know dan i don't disagree that things are kind of samey i mean the approach is the same right there's vocals on every track every track though i'm thinking all right what what's he getting at what 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 am i missing here you know Uh, what is this one about like i want to go deeper deeper i want to understand more that doesn't really happen with like autecker and that's not you know that's not a bad thing it's just a totally different take on it yeah yeah and there is something yeah i don't know there's just something interesting about like i think searching through these sounds and trying to be like that sounded like a car door opening or something you know like autecker is like we talked we joked about this but it's like they're not sounds that you can really you know relate to real life at all you know we were talking about like yeah you're like they're not earthly sounds (laughs) That sounded like a maybe a paper bag exploding like underwater or something, <laughs> you know, like they're so distant, but this is so tangible and so real. And I think that's a very it creates a very interesting, like very visceral experience of like that sounds like keys. That sounds like, you know, a car door. That sounds like, you know, something very interesting about that. Now, another thing I wanted to mention, I want to kind of like shift a little bit into the, you know, the context, why this resonated so much. Um, another thing that occurred to me is and tell me if I'm crazy, but this must have been the first time when you really could like walk around town listening to music on your headphones, you know? Um, like didn't the iPod kind of make that possible? I, I can't even well, remember, but like I mean, with CD players, you couldn't go like walking around and be skipping like crazy. You, have anti-skip. Seconds, you, know? you, didn't, you didn't have the anti-skip one. And yeah. then, I mean, before you can that, throw it in your pocket. The, what are you talking yeah, about? You can, I used to cut the grass with mine. Yeah, all the time. Me you too, to, and I had to I like mean, stop every five seconds oh, and fix you had, it because you had it some bobo ass CD player. Look, what I did is I recorded my CDs onto a cassette tape. And <laughs> oh, cassette tape. that's okay. big brain shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, but, but you can see what I'm saying, right? That like the uh, this I think this album sort of coincides with no, the I, iPod era. Yeah, no, and I, I that created a whole a whole new version of loneliness, which is like. If you if you're gonna like take the bus, you ha- like there's something sort of social about that until the iPod is invented. Then you can have your headphones in, as I do, twenty four seven, and I go about town running errands and stuff without really like even you know interacting with a soul. You know, it's actually possible now to feel lonely in a crowded place in a way that I think it wasn't before. 
you guys on board with that at all? No, I do agree with you because because with the CD player, like one, you had to switch out the CD. You know, you could you kind of just didn't have endless thing. You you could especially if you like at school. I I had a little you know I bring my little CD book. You know, but even then, you know, how many you bring a day? Four or five. Um, whereas like the iPod now, you you have like essentially your entire music library. You know, in your pocket, and like the CD player. Especially if you're using the anti-skip, you know, it kills your batteries. Those batteries were expensive. Whereas the iPad or iPod, <laughs> you know, you just charge it. So yeah, I get you. And I, I mean, I'm the same way as you. I, I, I basically, if I'm going to the store by myself or anything, I've always got headphones in. You know, I, I would rather not talk to anybody if I can help it. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and so, so, so yeah, I agree. I mean, the iPod definitely made it easier. I don't think it invented yeah. it, um, but. I, I think it, it definitely, did uh, it was, exacerbate it. Was definitely a game changer. It was definitely a game changer. Yeah. And I would add that, you know, earbuds became a lot more popular too, because I mean, back in the day we were kind of using those like over the head or over the ear headphones that were very like obvious, like, yes, you have headphones on and they're not very noise isolating at all. And that technology really became much more mainstream. I think fall post, you know, the, the iPod, you know, now people wear earbuds. Yeah, that's that true. Almost, you can't, almost can't even see them. So you always had those like, isolating. Cause you don't even mean like the big, like what people say can't like what I'm wearing right now. No, you mean no. like those I little, mean, like, they just like sort of sat on top of your ear with that yes, weird, like uh yes. styrofoam shit. Yeah. yeah those fucking suck. I yes. Tons of like bleeding yeah, sound yeah. out. So, like, everyone can <laughs> right. hear yeah. Them. Yeah. They were awful. Well, yeah. I kind of thought about, point, you know, cause there are, there are a lot of like, um, samples, like I said, of that seem to come from films and they seem to come from, um interviews youtube clips and stuff of just like little chatter or talking and it's it's like you can't really even understand what's being said i think um probably hardcore fans have like really figured it out or whatever but you know it's like to me it just sort of evoked that experience of having my you know ear earbuds in and um you know overhearing stuff or whatever you know occasion that occasional bleed in you know was kind of how i how i made sense of that i mean what did you guys you know, how did you guys think about those little indistinguishable speeches, you know, that are happening throughout? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't connect it to the, the earphone bleed in thing, but it does make sense, you know, now that you say it. I, I did sort of just think of it as like walking through the city and it's a, you know, conversation that's a little far from you or something and, and you can't quite, uh, you know, you can hear it, but maybe you can't make out all the words or exactly what they're talking about or something. But yeah, I didn't really think of it as like uh, the, the ears earphone thing but i, I kind of like that better just kind of adds to the loneliness right darren yeah i mean i think you could look at it that way i mean honestly i've certainly had my share of times walking through a city or walking around without earbuds on but just listening and hearing random conversations as you walk by not you know obviously you don't interact with any of that but like you hear you could hear little snippets of that and that's kind of what i feel like you're hearing here as well like indistinct conversations as you're passing by maybe you're sitting there drinking coffee and you can just hear uh, the, in the general noise of of the world different things popping in and out you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i think honestly I'm, i meant to mention this but there's almost no song that sums this album up better than in mcdonald's which <laughs> you know to me is basically like what the cover art seems to be you know it's just mm -hmm. like a guy in his hoodie looks pretty sad <laughs> sitting in front of like a coffee or something um <laughs> It's like you stop at the McDonald's to maybe sober up a little bit or something on your way home from the club. And, uh, you know, it's just a very it's just a very depressing. Scene. I mean, I just almost feel like this track in McDonald's, like just the image that it that it paints, because it's quite like it's quite like cavernous. And it's it, it almost starts to sound like 
a church choir or something. I mean, I love how sometimes these disembodied kind of androgynous vocals are overlapping in ways that create like this chorus, like this angelic kind of chorus sound. And again, it adds to the grandiosity of just sitting in a McDonald's sad and alone, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, on that note, let's switch, like I said, into that cultural context. This is where we get over intellectual with this album, but maybe it'll be fun <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, Pitchfork wrote this article for the 10 year anniversary. It's called Why Burial's Untrue is the Most Important Electronic Album of the Century So Far. And it talked about a couple, a lot, actually, a lot of really interesting things, but a couple things that really struck me were, you know, connecting this album and the whole burial project, which really starts in like 05, 06 with these um london terrorist attacks these like bus bombings and i think the subway was also bombed um in 05 um and it all kind of ties into this sort of post 9-11 like terrorism era right and the idea that this album is like you know on one hand there's a personal loneliness like we're, we've been talking about about just like walking home from the club or whatever um but there's also something like super profound about the idea of like what a terrorist attack can do to a city, you know, like what, what the whole world was going through at this time. Like, just think about like how vibrant and exciting London is, but then think about it in the weeks and months after a terrorist attack like that, you know, how New York must've been after nine 11. It's weird. Actually, we're recording this episode on nine 11, uh, the 18th anniversary by total chance, but the album almost has that quality of like those ghostly memories and stuff of these like club tracks that, seem like they're happening in the past you know it almost seems to evoke like you know this like loss of innocence or something or this loss of these fun times you know like you you're like i don't know walking around a city and that that fun spirit you remember about it is gone never to come back like did that kind of resonate with you guys at all i i feel like that's over intellectualizing it a little bit you know like i I don't think I would ever listen to this record and be like, you know, this reminds me of the time after 9-11. You know, like, I, I, I just... <laughs> it really does for me, I swear. I mean, like, once someone says it, I'm like, you know, when you when you say, like, you know, think of how the city is now quiet and stuff, it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it makes sense, but I feel like, was was Burial thinking that? You know, was he, was he like, I'm gonna... And maybe he was, especially since, like, the, like you said, those uh, London bombings were in 05. This record came out in 06, or I mean, 07, rather. But I'm sure, you know, he's working on it in the aftermath. So maybe maybe you're right. But I don't know. I, I feel like that's sort of, like, a, a bit of a stretch uh, that maybe the, the critics or, or writers or something are shoehorning in. I mean, and maybe, maybe there's interviews or something where he mentions that and that, that I don't know, you know, I'm not a huge fan or anything. So correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I, I feel like that's a bit of a a stretch over intellectualizing a little bit. What do you think, Darren? I mean, I think I'm, I'm kind of drinking the Kool-Aid at this point where like pretty much <laughs> any level of, of thought on this record, I'm like going to buy right into. Um, so in regards to this, like the way I kind of look at it is he's sort of like bringing together, like colliding this really strange emotion that you get from as an outsider to when you look at like the the world after 9-11 the, the world after a, you know a, a london bombing like that and how significant of an impact that has just on the culture but then at the same time there are like there's this other side of culture where everything's just happy and 
you go into the club and having fun and you got all these like mindless songs that are about whatever and he's like bridging that bridging those things together like this is like all happening at once again like it's a human experience it's really hard for me to like try to articulate this but i i think i get what you're saying i hadn't thought of it that way before but it's almost like if you went to a club and you heard this ray j song like you know two weeks after these bombings you might be like what is even the fucking point of this and it's almost like the album it sounds like fun that isn't happening right now or something like fun is happening far away from you and you can't reach it i get i get that more and i i I do like agree with the with the fun that's that's sort of happening like i mean i i've been in situations where like everyone's having fun and and i'm depressed or something and it's like you know you sort of i mean you can even get get a little angry about like you know you know, you know these these stupid people like ha- having having fun at a time like this or something. But also, like it could just and maybe maybe the records like feeling like that because of uh you know the, these bombings. But it also maybe just like he's having girl troubles and like I, I feel like that's yeah, that maybe makes more sense. You know, like well, it's like it's all happening and he's it's it's all a part of the experience. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he he is dealing with loneliness girl troubles like you mentioned but like i i just feel like it's it, still banging the london bomb bombing still happened like it's yeah. all i, I get that it's just like just like i don't know like trying to put like the this this one event in it I, again unless unless he's specifically said it or there's something that i that i'm missing that that I, really connects i don't know it. i don't know if that's necessary I, because he he said something like you know archangel he might have been being a little facetious but that he made archangel after his dog died or something like that and um you know, which I don't want to trivialize. That can be quite sad. But, you know, I, I think that whether he intended to or not, it does seem to sort of evoke this era. And people talk a lot about this might have to be its own episode. But like every major event in, informs like the art of, of that I period mean, of course. in some way. And so if you want to talk about like what is post 9-11 music, you know, I've always have, had a hard time thinking about like h- how to talk about that, you know, because it's not immediately obvious what effect that had, but it has to have had. I mean, of course, uh, you know, some effect. And this feels like a very post nine eleven album. I, I don't know why. I mean, I can see it, but, but, but what I'm thinking is something like like Bazinski's disintegration tapes. You know, that that's very tied to nine eleven, and it is for right. a reason because Bazinski like has this whole story of of him like you know doing doing. Okay, these but it's but, also but, like people. I don't think people would think of disintegration tapes as being about nine eleven ex- unless. Bazinski said, "This hey, this is sort of well, maybe connected but to 9/11. It might be easily connected because you know, it, and it's actually kind of similar to this album in a weird way, in the sense that like there is something in that Bazinski album. You're, you're you're basically listening to like melodies, but the important part is not the melody. The important part is like the the disintegration, yeah, like the thing that's separating you from the melody. There's like this wall, and in Burial, you're basically like listening to chopped and screwed, uh, you know." Ashanti songs, but what's really important about it is like the wall between you and the club music that's being played. I, I guess what um, I I agree that the wall exists. Like I I hundred percent agree with that. I just don't know that I can make that leap that the wall is because of like a certain um, historical event. I I I, I think the I, wall could easily be his dog dying, uh, a, a girl girl trouble you know uh, just just depression okay, in general okay. you know i i just feel like it's a bit of a jump to say it's definitely about this w- when when the artist hasn't said it 
Well, surely. I, I just think that like it kind of it kind of fits in that era very well, whether he intended it to or not. And the, that article also talks a little about about like the sort of vibrant UK rave culture of the you know maybe 80s and 90s. I know like the 80s underground in New York City was also you know with like um what was that guy's name Arthur Russell and everything um you know was such a big scene. And so the article talks about like. It's as if burials sort of like walking around London, looking at these empty warehouses where there once were such vibrant and alive parties and like feeling its absence, um, you know, that, you know, like people talk about like you, you go into a room or something and you can kind of feel the history that happened there or something. Um, Darren, do you kind of feel that in the music a little bit? I mean, I think we're drinking the Kool-Aid together. So are you with me on this as well? Somewhat, somewhat, but I, I think I like it less of him just like, you know, going out and, and looking at these abandoned areas and deciding to write music about it, you know what I mean? And more like, I, I think I like the singular experience of it, of it all, you know, like the personal experience of it and not just feeling like, I, I don't know, the way you described that just sort of felt a lot less like of, of, of a personal, like human experience with that, you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from but i don't know um that yeah. one i'm not that one i'm not so <laughs> <laughs> okay well I, and i wanted to mention dan you'll maybe you'll get on board if i bring bring this up but you know that uh the caretaker that yeah. album that came out uh that huge album that came out this year or that he finished this year um you know that's kind of a similar idea i think i think there's you know they call it like this hauntology music or like turntablism it's sometimes called but like you know that basically in that case you're listening to like sort of, you know, whatever disposable shitty music from the thirties. But the idea is like, it's, it's dealing with memory and loss of memory and loss in a larger sense. Um, I feel like this burial album is firing on the same cylinders. You yeah. Know? It's like th that. I think that works towards my point a little bit though, because that caretaker record, he himself has said, this is about, uh, you know, somebody suffering from Alzheimer's and like that, that disintegration of memory. Again, he said that, you know, uh, maybe like, I think you gotta, you gotta let that go. I man. think, I you think know, you could a listen famous, to a famous incident where, uh, Ray, Ray Bradbury tried to say that his, his book Fahrenheit 451 isn't about censorship. Yeah. And he gave this talk in front of a college and the college students were like, you're wrong, dude. Uh, and he was fucking wrong. So I don't think, <sighs> you know, author intent is the you know, beginning and end of every, every, I, I wouldn't say it's the beginning and end, but I think it's, I think it's important. And I, I mean, I, I think with that caretaker record, like, yeah, I think you could get those feelings of like, um, disintegration and, and memory and, and stuff, um, without him saying that. And I mean, I, we get those feelings. Like I, like I said, I agree that this wall exists. I just don't know why the wall is there because I'm not the person who made it. You know, and and I haven't heard yeah, that person think, say why. Like, right? Like, I feel yeah. like we're maybe being a little nitpicky with each other. Like, I, I we're we're generally agreeing on the same point. Like, I, I agree that there is this wall, but just you know, maybe we're we're disagreeing on on why or how it was built. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I was going to say is I, I just think you know, as an artist, you, you sort of have to realize that, like, yes, you have your interpretation of something that you've put out there, but you know, especially with an album that becomes as, I don't want to say necessarily popular, but like a cult hit, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
you, you certainly wouldn't want to come out and say anything at this point because kind of like Gabe's point about Ray Bradbury, like it's oh, no yeah, yeah. yours, right? I mean, it's it's, right, it's right, beyond right. your reach. So anything you and say I guess, on like, it's not gonna not gonna change anything. And even like beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm really just trying to figure out like why this resonated so much at the time. And I yeah. think the the like international mood, you know, had maybe something to do that. Another thing, you know, we sort of talked about this, but the the idea of this new online era, I think, was really important to this album. Um, you know, we talked about like scouring the Internet, how it's a very different thing than crate digging. But also we haven't talked about how, you know, at this time, um, Burial was anonymous he was unknown uh completely and i guess when this album became such a big hit like these you know annoying british tabloids that are always ruining everything and killing princess diana and whatnot they uh (laughs) they just went so hard to figure out who he was that he just basically posted like a single picture online and was like this is my name so now we can drop it you know um but do you guys think like that that there's something about like being anonymous that is so integral to like the early online experience that was such a like you know foundation shaking you know aspect of living life like so many people living their entire lives anonymously online and do you guys see burials anonymity you know factoring into why this kind of resonated with those kind of people yeah i mean the the early 2000s were sort of a, a wild west of of internet and like yeah and anonymity was like the thing you know that was why 4chan was so uh popular and stuff and and you know before it yes. turned into some yeah. alt-right you know bullshit it was it was like fun you, you could <laughs> right. go on there and like everything you 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 did was deleted at sometimes within minutes or you know hours at, at basically the most and just everybody was like operating in this in this weird like strange thing that the, the essentially like had never existed like in humanity you know like when was there ever a time like that you could you could say something that people would actually hear or see and they wouldn't even have anything to connect it to with you know they wouldn't see your face wouldn't know your name wouldn't hear your voice anything you know it, it's just something that that only existed for for that short window of time and I think like him having anonymity, you know, it it added to that. And, you know, something like this, like the mystery around it, like always sort of helps. Um, I mean, electronic music, I I think like of a genre, there's probably more people who are uh, anonymous in electronic music than anything else. And it probably has to do with it being a computer based uh, sort of thing. But like, yeah. You know, so so I yeah I I, I think it was like important. It, it just kind of adds to that like the thematic stuff we've been talking about. Yeah, like this yeah, kind exactly. Of loneliness yeah. and this alien. Yeah, you in on that, Darren? Oh, absolutely. Like I I was totally going to mention exactly what like Dan was talking about regarding 4chan, but also like the you know on the other other side of the spectrum we have like Facebook blowing up at this point. You know what I mean? Like um, it's 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 definitely like the end of that period. Yeah, it's like putting yourself out there in such a public way and then this retraction where you have the opportunity to go on places like 4chan and these other message boards where like suddenly you can be completely hidden and and then this entire new culture i remember the early days of 4chan like feeling like wow i this is like the inside of people's brains that you just never exactly was really being thought about and it's being put out there and again this album just seems to fit sort of so perfectly in that idea of like being inside of somebody's head and like just having the full experience of that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about this because I think that it's a very significant part of this album's legacy, honestly, this idea of uh, 4chan and 4chan's music board, Mew, this album becoming really like part of the Mew core, the so-called Mew core albums. Um, and this whole idea of feels albums, you know, that, that, that got a little normy, this idea of feels, <laughs> but... I remember, you know, back in the day when this album was just getting posted constantly and it's like, you know, in this thread, post albums that give you feels, you know, stuff like that. And this was like the one mm-hmm. that was getting posted so much, um, you know, among some others, but it might be like the definitive feels album. Paul even mentioned in his email, uh, you know, that this helped him through some hard times. And I feel like a lot of people who really connect with this album must feel the same exact way. I mean, you know, isn't that kind of, that feels like an interesting, like distinctly modern idea, like the feels album, you know, it feels so like early internet. So post nine well, <laughs> 11 to bring that up again, I, like, you know what I mean? Having this personal connection. I, I, I don't disagree know, with that a little bit. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a new thing. I mean, the Smiths are like the quintessential band like that, you know, yeah. and that, the, that was the 80, either the cure the same way and all. But I, I mean, I get what you say. Like a, a, a way to like the, the, or the, the, this period of like the internet and everything and, and Mew, it was like sort of the first time you had those records that you could like share with people, you know, like normally, you know, like if you were some lonely teenager in the eighties and, and you, you got into yeah, yeah. queen is dead, it, it would have been, you know, especially if you didn't have friends and that was why you were lonely, it would be hard to like talk about that experience with, with anybody. Whereas like now we have this like thing connecting all these people and you can be in your bedroom by yourself. Yeah. And, and, but, but and still talking. This burial yeah, album, exactly. This burial album is one of the things that brought these people together that they bonded over. You know, it's weird. Like bonding over your loneliness. Yeah, it is. Your loneliness through burial, you know, and, and like, I was listening to this podcast the other day that was talking about somebody wrote a book about 4chan basically, which, you know, oh, like wow. is interesting, you know, now, now after like all, all the alt-right stuff or whatever, people are interested in it. But actually I always thought I was like, God, one day people are going to write books about 4chan because it was such a creative place. I didn't realize they would be writing about it because it was such a terrible, horrible place, uh, <laughs> but oh well. Um, anyway, so they were kind of talking about like this, this 4chan generation and this idea of like these kind of disaffected young white men who like you know are just lonely isolated like feeling out of touch disconnected and kind of bonding in like a weird self-deprecating way online and then of course growing up to uh get donald trump elected and you know (laughs) do school shootings and stuff like that that's later on but at this time um you know i just think that that is such that is like what this album really resonates with. I think it's a huge part of its legacy and I don't think it's a bad thing. You know what I'm saying, Darren? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think I, I keep on saying it, but, and I, I don't, I don't know how to articulate it that well because I think the album does a really fascinating job of like getting it. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like when you listen to it enough, you dig around a, a little bit, maybe do some reading and kind of get a better understanding of what is going on. Every, it just becomes more rewarding of an experience because you're just continuing to unravel it. And I, I imagine that is why people call it like their feels record. I'm sure people love talking about how they, they go back to it and they feel like they find something new every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I just want to clarify, you know, because I, I think that uh, on Burial's like a rival dealer um, EP and probably other places, you know, he sort of um, 
there's like a clip that's sort of a, like a trans activist speaking. And it feels, it seems like he's definitely not on board with the alt-right stuff. But what I'm trying to say is that there was a period when this album like came out that it was a, it was like a pure time in the world of 4chan and you <laughs> when it was just like kind of lonely people yeah. had found this, yep. this place where they, they found each other, you know, like they never knew that other people like them as lonely as them existed. I, I just feel like that's really kind of a fascinating point in history that this exists. Um, what about the influence of this album? Paul's email, he sort of mentions like he sees this as influencing like stuff like James Blake, the XX, um, all the way into Billie Eilish. I think that that's pretty indisputable, but I almost see this album as predicting. We were talking about how I feel like it doesn't really fit into its era. I feel like it kind of predicts the entire 2010s. It's like, it's almost like the first album of like an entire decade of sad music. You know, it seems to, in my mind, predate stuff like all these like hyper aware internet phenomena, like, the hauntology stuff and the turntablism, hypnagogic pop, like Ariel Pink, where it's like kind of self-aware, like, you know, as if he's making a forgotten lost record or something. And it's like buried in, in fuzz and lo-fi and stuff. Vaporwave, you know, with like the sort of ironically listening to shitty music, pitch shifted and warped through some kind of wall or something. Other genres like Witch House, uh, but even stuff like Trap. I mean, this like low subterranean bass with just like tinkling hi-hats and stuff. Do you feel like this has an, a pretty immense influence? Because I, I became convinced that it does. Yeah, I, I think so. Especially like with the hypnagogic pop. I mean, I think like that is sort of like a uh, indie rock like version of of this sort of record. Um, and and vaporwave too uh, a lot. Um, I mean, I wish I I wish I could remember exactly what song it was. But there, there's one one song on on this record where it's sort of like um, it's like he's. <sighs> it's like he's like pushing buttons and you're getting like this weird like sort of artifacting kind of things happening it like like it's it's getting like um like a digital sort of like distortion on on the the, uh-huh. the sounds and everything and like that it, it's only it's a short little 20 30 seconds um i think it might be in dog shelter if i'm if i'm remembering right um mm-hmm. and like that sounds like like that little clip is like the most vaporwave uh thing uh, you know outside of actual vaporwave um so i <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking of that uh, a lot when 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 listening to that to that part um so i i definitely can see this as uh you know uh foreshadowing a lot of like what would come and i agree i agree with you this this is like sort of the first um you know shot in the in the uh, world of of sad music that would be to come yeah, what do you think, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I disagree. You know, I, I know I sort of felt, still feel like this album sounds like it's from the late 2000s, you know, pre-2010, but as far as, like, influencing um, and sort of being at the forefront of, of what was to come, like, I, I can't really disagree with, with what you said, Gabe. I, I just, I, I feel like, I was thinking, like, how would I describe future? Um, you know, the the artist future um you know like just booming subterranean bass uh like clattering hi-hat sounds um like a disembodied auto-tuned voice like kind of moaning words and sounds that i can't understand fuck it's the same exact way i would describe burial i mean like yeah that's a good point i'm kind of in awe and like and i can't think of anything before this really that would 
like so directly connects but once you get into like this kind of minimalism of stuff like james blake and the xx and stuff and then trap is quite minimalist and and then the sadness like you guys just said you know it's like this has been a sad decade and you know we talked about like billy eilish uh what two weeks ago um or two episodes ago and i can see it like stretching i agree with paul it stretches all the way there i was thinking about like God, what was that term again? A- ASMR? AMSR? ASMR? You know, like the <laughs> yeah, whatever thing we're connecting to Billie Eilish. <laughs> yeah. So there's something like very intimate about this album, like sampling things like that sound like car keys jingling, you know, mm-hmm. or like a light footstep or something or like tapping on a Pringles can or something like the idea of that making the beat feels like, you know, it feels so predictive of the <laughs> this like asmr idea of like just really quiet sounds really hushed whispery intimate sounds in something so dense and booming um yeah and i mean such a thing wouldn't be possible without this kind of explosion of like the internet and this youtube culture of you know just being able to like have the world right there at your at your screen but you're just by yourself you know what i mean and then at the very same time like you guys were describing you also have access to to share this lonely experience with thousands and thousands of other people who are doing the exact same thing. So it, yes. it, it things just will never go back to it. There, there will never be a, the world will never ha- know, or like, I guess kids, right. will never know the feeling of like, you know, beating like metal gear solid and then looking over <laughs> left and right. And like, no one's there. Right. They, they won't <laughs> know that because whatever game that they are playing, they'll already know and be connected to hundreds and thousands of other people who are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, that's true. It's yeah, really fascinating. And there are fewer and fewer solitary experiences somehow. It's all that goddamn Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah. As a side note, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you know how like I was, I was, I, I'm always sort of saying that like at the end of the decade, music seems to change. Um, after this sad as fuck decade, do you think the the next decade, the 2020s, is going to be like just really happy? music or well can we never go back to happiness again <laughs> i don't know it, it's it's you know usually the pendulum swings you know you, happy sad you know whatever but i don't know and i mean it, it's like the world kind of sucks right now a little bit well i think i think the election <laughs> yeah. in uh, november is also going to have a impact on that yeah that could decide it if, if it's true good, then maybe that fixes it but you know <laughs> we'll see but I could totally imagine like music critics 30 years from now being like the 2020s were all about, you know, acknowledgement of the oblivion we are all facing with climate change and Donald Trump's seventh term in office. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but reckless abandon with fun dance music that ironically celebrate, you know, whatever. I could totally <laughs> say. Um, all right. I wanted to spend a couple minutes just talking, you know, briefly. We didn't sort of assign listening beyond untrue. But Burial has had a really strange career trajectory. He's sort of avoided following up on Untrue by releasing actually quite a lot of EPs. And sometimes these EPs are as long as albums. They usually consist of like two or three songs that can be as long as like 15 minutes each. What do you make of that? Like, do you, do you sense that he's like, you know, it's like the burden of following this up is too much or... You know, what is that? I think it could be that. And I mean, and if it is that, I think it's sort of a smart move. Um, you know, you, you, 
you wrote in our in our little thing like sort of you know in the airplane over the sea you know we we never got uh um a follow-up to that and it's sort of like everybody kind of agrees it's like um, jeff mangum like couldn't couldn't deal with like the this record becoming so huge and like couldn't follow it up and i feel like that you know that's kind of seems like what's maybe happened here at least like burial has released music uh just you know in a sort of different format and, and when you when you when you use the the single ep format if if you release a dud here and there people just always sort, sort yeah. of seem to forgive that you know like if 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 your favorite band releases like an ep that sucks a lot you're never like, oh god, you know what's happened. You're always like, yeah, it's just an EP. Who cares? You know, but yeah, as long as yeah, the album's yeah. good. And and like, so it kind of gives you like um, an out because because the same thing. If you release an EP and it kicks ass, everyone, you know, like people, you can get the props, but you don't get the negatives. Or right? it's like it's almost like it's, it's like true. the mixtape thing in in hip hop. Almost low stakes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Low stakes, high high reward with the with the EP and the single thing. So I, I think it's sort of a good move on his part. Um, you know, maybe there's some other reason behind it, but I I feel like it. You know, I guess I'm going against myself when I was saying earlier. You know, not putting words in the uh, artist's mouth. I, I'm going to put words in his mouth yeah, and say that <laughs> that it does sort of seem like that. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like Dan said, I mean, the the only thing I would really add is like when you do an EP, it you sort of immediately uh, remove the idea of like having to draw a comparison to your albums, right? I mean sure people can talk about it but at the end of the day they're gonna be like well that's just an ep you know what i mean like it's not a full statement it's not 12 13 tracks or whatever um yeah even though if you combined obviously all of these eps together you would you would you could easily piece together some sort of album long sure. uh thing but um and i i not gonna say whether i feel like that's a smart move or not or whatever but i mean i certainly believe that with something like untrue I, in similar to like in the airplane over the sea, over the sea, like it's kind of just impossible to follow up, right? And like no matter what you do, no matter what you do, it'll never amount to yeah. what that original album had done. So why not just try yeah. to release music in a different different method, different format altogether? You know? Yeah, I mean it's a nice solution, um, and you know a lot of those, I would say most of those EPs have actually been um, seen as like excellent you know some of them are considered masterpieces some of them people uh you know the the edgy like dan types they say that they're even better than untrue um but i've listened to all of them and i i think they're pretty much uniformly fantastic and you're right darren it's like basically hours of material you know it's as if he's released follow-ups and yet he sort of hasn't and hasn't had to follow this up i think that that sort of contributes contributes to the legacy of this of untrue sure. in a way similar to in the airplane over the sea and it's funny too because you know even though he's released like hours of materials of material like every year every two years um you know that the next time he announces a full length album it's going to uh-huh. be huge yep. news, even though he's you know? consistently released stuff yeah yeah exactly. yeah totally bizarre but um it, it might it might turn out to be kind of smart it might, it's kind of interesting actually um okay so i think we can start to wrap up here um and just sort of give our final thoughts. You know, I, I think that this is, this is the kind of album that I feel like we could really talk about for hours because it, it seems to introduce so many interesting questions. Another one that I think is pretty fascinating is that, you know, because I had never really spent a lot of time with this record, I always thought of it as like this masterpiece with this huge legacy and everything. 
And I imagined it would be like the most meticulously crafted, you know, electronic album. And in a way it is like thematically, it really feels like a very tight, cohesive thing. And yet I was kind of delighted by the, you know, the amateurism of it. We talked about how the beats like aren't perfectly in time and it seems to be a little loose. I think that it's interesting how the, you know, because every, like nothing feels just looped or like sequenced, you know, perfectly. It feels like tracks can kind of like grow and evolve, like speed up, slow down a little bit, grow in intensity. Um, It makes me think of, you know, something like post-rock or something where it's like you can kind of repeat the same thing over and over again, but sort of build the intensity of it and create quite a dramatic close. Um, It adds kind of a live feel, you know, people I don't want to get into the whole debate, but, you know, whether this is dubstep or not or whatever, but um you know, the the idea of dub, the original dub, uh, with like King Tubby and Lee Perry and stuff is live mixing of music. And there there feels like a live human feel to this and like sort of a delightful amateurism. In fact, I learned that he recorded this whole thing in two weeks, like just in a burst Insane. of creativity. Insane. Yeah. Isn't that I mean, so I, I think that could be like its own whole episode, you know, like masterpieces that were recorded like totally on the fly. Um I think that kind of adds to the charm of this record, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that that that's super um, impressive. And uh, like I said earlier, I mean, my favorite part about the record is like that, the, the swing to it and the, you know, kind of amateurishness. I mean, a lot of times like with electronic music, it gets a little stuffy and... Uh, um, the other thing, like like you sort of mentioned, you know, things here don't seem like just looped. Like a, a lot of electronic music, it sort of seems like they wrote a, a you know eight bars of a song and then they you know looped it yeah. for, for six minutes or, or whatever. And like it never really feels like that here. It sort of always feels like even just slightly, it, it's evolving or or moving or changing. Yeah. Like it never like each each bar never seems like the same exact bar that preceded it um which which is interesting and something you don't get um uh, very often in in this genre and it's 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 necessary because a lot of these songs are really quite like simple in an amateurish mm-hmm. way where it's like just the same four chords over and over again and the same vocal loop over and over again but the fact that it feels like it's kind of you know human and changing in subtle ways uh really saves it you, you kind of know what i mean darren yeah, for sure. I mean, when when I initially sort of described the sound as like atmospheric, when you when you describe something as like atmospheric, it's usually difficult to define it, right? Like because it's there's no clear definition because it's just sort of filling the space and it's, you know, all around you. We've talked about this idea of like sort of drifting and stuff, and it's really interesting that like you know, you can describe that not just with the music, but like sort of the technique of how the music was recorded especially like an electronic album i mean generally the electronic albums that i've listened to are like so perfectly in sync so perfectly timed right, that like you right. don't you don't even like you know we harp on like indie rock that sounds too perfect but we don't do that with like electronic music because it's just supposed to it's be true. i mean it's structured you know to be perfectly in sync right so to sort of like change that approach with this amateurish quality but also like i don't know i I don't want to necessarily just say like raw but just like a you know by by not trying to make it so perfect and creating this like atmosphere this drifting sort of you know 
as if like you're inside the head of somebody and you're just drifting past all sorts of thoughts and stuff like that's i mean that that's incredible to think that you could have all of that come through in two weeks i mean i could understand yeah. recording an ep or something in two weeks but my god like this entire album like and here we are talking about it and i can only imagine the level of discussions that people have had about this album that only took two weeks for a human being to make incredible yeah so i mean i think that yeah that, that kind of gets right into my final thoughts on this thing is that you know i found myself pretty much in awe at it and i understand why people see it as so important and so influential because it it feels you know like a a just such an accomplishment it feels so like it really resonates with its era and sort of continues to resonate even you know what 12 years later um i still feel it, it's like tentacles all throughout popular music um and it makes me it raises like a bunch of questions that i think are just so fascinating and of course we have an entire podcast dedicated to like over intellectualizing music and this album really lends itself well to it so you know thank you paul for requesting it and uh i would invite the rest of our listeners to send us send us uh ideas but see if you can top this you know see if you can give me something that's really gonna blow my fucking mind like this one did what about you what about you guys did you uh enjoy the experience yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that I finally like took the time to really like dig into this record. I mean, like I like I said, I I didn't I didn't have like this great um, overwhelming experience with it. It, it didn't become like a, a record that I'm gonna return to all the time or anything. But I I I, I am glad I did it. I really enjoyed an intellectualizing uh, about it. I, I feel like maybe even it just. Um, maybe it missed me like maybe if i if i had heard this when i was younger or or mm-hmm. in in a like headspace that that sort of like fits the record more uh that i maybe would have enjoyed it um uh, yeah. more more than i did uh currently um but you know it, it it's an album that's that's worth hearing i i'm glad i finally like uh dug deep into it um but you know i i guess i'm the one of the three of us that was uh less into it which is a big surprise isn't it um you know (laughs) and i'll go on the record and i told you guys off the air that i you know i was kind of alluding to the fact that i wasn't really enjoying this yeah and i Uh didn't really i mean i listened to it a lot i was just like just listening to it without any context without any digging around or anything like that and just could not you know it just didn't really stick with me right um but after Uh like doing some of the reading that you shared gabe um, that video that you, that we, that I looked at that sort of explained a lot of these samples and the process, yeah. like resident advisor I, I immediately did a, came yeah. back to the record and was like, wait a second, this is what I've been missing like this entire time. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to say just yet that it's like a 10 for me necessarily, but like, it's certainly yeah. a record that I want to continue to peel the layers on. Like this sort of is immediately bringing to mind my feelings about like, kid a you know what i mean um wow an album that has so much depth to it that ha- that i'm co- i've connected to for a, such a long time i feel like this album could very much be in that same sort of conversation when it comes to like just being in that sort of mindset um and you mentioned this dan about like being in that right headspace and i and i totally agree it's hard for me to like want to listen to this record a lot you know what i mean i, I don't think that, i can't think of like a lot of opportunities you know i'm obviously like with kids and everything like that i'm not just like sitting alone at a computer like lonely (laughs) about my own life it's just not where i'm at right now but there are certainly 
opportunities and times where I can imagine just putting this record on because I enjoy it. Like I enjoy the introspective, the introspection, right? And I enjoy like thinking about the different aspects of the human experience that like these songs are sort of evoking, right? It, maybe it's my life. Maybe it's just thinking about things in general. Like I love to do that. I mean, I think a lot of people love to just sort of sit in their thoughts and stuff like that. And this album seems like perfect to just kind of let you do that. You know what I mean? So if, for anybody who's listening, who's never experienced burial, you know, I would highly recommend do a little bit of research, just kind of find out a little bit more about like these samples and stuff and then give the album, you know, a really fair shot because I just don't think and very many people would be disappointed. Yeah. And let me just add that, uh, you know, you just made me realize sort of that, you know, if you're feeling like maybe it's too late because uh, you also have kids or something and, uh, you know, you're not lonely in front of your computer anymore. I think that you, you can still get a lot in it because I'm not like a depressed sophomore in college anymore. But uh, this album almost almost makes me nostalgic for when I was a depressed kid in college, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. coming home from the from the club and being like kind of uh, kind of sad and a little drunk. Um, good times honestly <laughs> <laughs> if only we could go back those uh back when four loco uh was great oh <laughs> the days. oh yeah those are the days <laughs> all right well uh what do you think we'd love to read your thoughts on the air we'd love to get uh, ideas from you like we said so email us popshieldpod at gmail.com next episode in two weeks not sure what we're doing yet give us an idea uh, if you like the show help us out by subscribing leave us a five-star rate and review wherever you get your podcast and uh fuck whoever wrote that bad one um and stay connected <laughs> twitter facebook instagram pop shield pod on all that and uh, we'll see you in two weeks see you so long